Hello everyone, this is Ricky and welcome back to another episode of Gray Matters. Um, we are super excited for this episode. We have two very special guests joining us to talk about the power of the conversation. Hi everyone, this is Charmaine. Yes, like Ricky said, we're very excited. We have with us um, Ishana and Aisha of Venting and Vibing and we're really happy that they were able to join us. Welcome ladies. Thank you. Hi. Thank you for having Thanks us. For having us. Absolutely. We're so glad we were able to, uh, you know, have this conversation. So Ricky and I were introduced to them and through, to venting and vibing through um, their Zoom sessions and like these collaborative spaces where women of color can come together and have these amazing conversations. And that's kind of where um, we got this idea to, to have this episode of the power of the conversation based off of a couple of pieces that we read and just different things Ricky and I had talked about. Um, and we really enjoyed our time um, during the Zoom sessions. So we would love for you to tell and share with our Gray Matters community a little bit more about venting and vibing, um, what these sessions are that we're referring to, and a little bit more about yourselves. Do you want to yeah. kick it off, Aishina? Yeah, I can do that. Well, um, so venting and vibing, Aisha and I launched in, was it 2018, I believe? Um, yeah. And our mission for Venting and Vibing is to create spaces for women of color to heal, build impact, power, and knowledge collectively. Um, and it essentially came out of our own individual experiences, both as women of color, um, working in workplaces where we were min a minority. Um, and then we both attended uh, a conference that was specifically for women of color. And there was a session there that was just about workplace issues. Um, and that session, that session felt so freeing, so therapeutic, just being able to hear other women who, you know, have similar experiences like you talk about those experiences, have the opportunity for ourselves to get up there and say, you know, this is what we've been going through. Um, and it made us realize just how healing and powerful it is to know that you're not alone in terms of what you're experiencing in the workplace as a woman of color, right? Um, and so we just really, really realized that we needed this. And so we could see that other women of color in the workplace would probably really, really need those um, spaces to um, talk to each other, be heard, be validated, which is a big thing. Um, and then this year, you know, we also wanted to expand that beyond Chicago because we are based in Chicago um, and we wanted to expand that um, to people all around the country and even the world. And so that's when we got into, onto Zoom and started doing our online sessions. Um, yeah, Aisha, I don't know if you want to add anything about just even that, even the online sessions and what we've seen coming out of that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, um, like Aishina said, that panel discussion with all the women of color who were talking about different challenges they were facing in the workplace, what I would add to that where there were a few things we noticed, like that panel went an hour over its allotted time. So like folks were sticking around really talking about this stuff, which was really like stunning to me because I was like, wow, like the panelists were willing to stay longer. People had things to talk about. I think the need for those conversations was apparent in that. And then we also saw this like cross-generational reality of like, 
a lot of the older women who were talking about what they were faced, they had faced in the workplace looked or sounded very similar to the challenges we were facing now. And what was a little bit different, which was really cool, was maybe our approaches or the solutions that were available to us or the resources. So I think when Aishina and I were connecting after those sessions, even in us affirming what was happening for us personally in the workplaces was so healing and cathartic. Um, and yeah, and I think it was really that that was where it started with like, we need a space like this. And it kind of blossomed into this really beautiful community that was based in Chicago. And then prior to COVID, we were like, yeah, let's get it online, expand it. We had interest. We were hearing that like folks in other states could really use a space like this. And then um, COVID happened and kind of like fast tracked our plans to get online. So we started doing the virtual gatherings, which were really great. We had even international presence. So it goes to kind of show you that like these, the need for these spaces, the power of conversation and just um, the, the community was so needed across the world, right? Like there are folks who are facing these similar challenges um, regardless of geographic area. So yeah, that's kind of how it all began. And now we're here talking to you all after you attended one of our sessions. Yeah, that's, I love that. And you mentioned the, the community and, just what I loved about the virtual gathering too. The first one I attended was um, at the end of May, I believe. And um, it, it's, yeah, that's one of the first things I noticed is that there was quite a few people that were from international areas. And that's something that was really beautiful about this is that you were able to connect with all of these people and have these shared commonalities and these shared struggles. And that's, I think it's very important for people to have that. It's also makes you feel more represented. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna, to add to that, I was gonna say, um, I think realizing the necessity or the need for conversations at a micro and a macro level, because I think, okay, you think of like having conversations like community wise, like maybe even, even one or two, but also even at a larger scale, like I said, as a collective, as women having conversations can be very therapeutic. It can be very, um, we were actually just having a conversation before this conversation about how sometimes just coming together and talking about your shared experience can be kind of validating. And within that validation, you can kind of take the steps forward to either heal or to kind of do some personal, um, personal growth, or just, mm -hmm. you know, set boundaries, just whatever you need to do to, um, to, to kind of, um, I guess, to sit with that validation and to um, kind of even nurture that part of yourself that needed mm -hmm. validation, um, specifically, uh, you know, even when it comes to mental health, sometimes that's mm -hmm. something that's something we talked about in our previous episode a lot about how um, even having starting a conversation about mental health and in sitting down and having it be a natural conversation um, that's ongoing in society can help build more not just more knowledge but also more knowledge like as a whole but also more internal knowledge if mm -hmm. that makes sense or internal um, I guess I guess internal, like I said, internal validity. And so I think we kind of came together because that's a theme also at Gray Matters. That's one of our main themes is, you know, discussing 
topics that might not be comfortable or making the uncomfortable, um, um, I guess making the uncomfortable comfortable or making it a part of day-to-day life. Like we talk yeah. about voting and talking mm-hmm. about voting and making voting comfortable, mental health comfortable, all of these uncomfortable topics. And it's interesting how having a, a conversation, especially in the workplace, especially as women of color, even just talking to each other, is kind of like an uncomfortable topic. There's mm-hmm. so many kind of um, taboos when it comes to talking about um, different conversations. They're like, oh, we can't talk about that here. Or, oh, we can't talk about even our experiences, you know, um, as women of color in these spaces. But there's so much, you know, there's so much what other words, strength and power into mm-hmm. having these conversations, especially as women of color in different, even in different, you know, segments of the society as a whole. Yeah. And healing, right? Like that mm-hmm. word you said, a lot of the words that you're, you're saying, like, yes, these are all the things that we recognize. Because um, even when we saw the need, right, all the different women who are coming to these conversations from Chicago online, like internationally, I think the power in it is, when we have these conversations, it makes people feel less alone, mm-hmm. right? right? And because when you feel like this thing that is happening to you, this thing that you're experiencing, this challenge that you are facing, that it is you alone, it's very easy then to internalize it and to be even more broken, more challenged, more lost, right? Because you're like, well, this is it, and maybe this is me, and this is like that's what's happening to me. And that 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 there's where the power comes from when you can talk to another person five other people, 10, 20. And like, it's, it's, it's literally even been so shocking for me. As I said, Aisha and I were the ones who created this. But I remember in some of our first sessions, like we would be inviting people to vent, right? Cause we're just like vent. We don't have enough spaces. Mm-hmm. Just talk about what's happening to us in the workplace, vent about it. And I swear to you, so many of the experiences were so similar mm-hmm. when it came to being lowballed for your salary, right? Like they're like, well, this is the pay, but we think you should get, 10% less mm-hmm. or if it was being told that just something about you and the way you exist in the workplace was wrong or offensive or threatening or confrontational or or, or having your your um your intelligence doubted or your ability doubted mm-hmm. to do the work right and then that turns into you doubting yourself like so many of these themes came up and so the most powerful thing that we realized is that we're not alone we're not alone, right? And that that alone is so affirming, so validating, and so healing, right? And then when you're able to come together and talk, then you can really identify what the problem is, where the problem is, right? Mm-hmm. It's not you individually, but there's a problem in this system. And when we all talk about it, then we also all can come together and like challenge it, you know? Yeah. 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 And I even think too, Aishima, with you saying that, like so many of these spaces are set up in the way that makes us doubt ourselves, right? So it invalidates our experiences while we're in them, whether that's you talking to a supervisor and getting gaslit when you share that this weird thing, you know, harmed you or um, just in the way that like how workplaces are set up for certain folks to succeed, right? All of that is like either subtly or really explicitly invalidating your experience and like how you're feeling about whether it's a microaggression, um, you know, salary discrepancy, whatever. So I think it's really powerful, like you said, Aishina, just that starting point of being validated, like, oh, I'm not being overly sensitive, or I'm not not imagining, exactly, exactly, like, that's so powerful, because I think that 
um, it, like taking it out of the context of like, this is a you problem and being able to be like, okay, this is something that's happening in my environment that is not a product of me and how I'm showing up, um, but a larger ill that's just there in the organization or in the company. I think that in and of itself is healing because so much of the narrative that at least I was repeating to myself going through different workplace struggles was that like, I wasn't enough. I wasn't doing this good enough. I deserve this in some way, shape or form. Right. So I think even being able to like disrupt those narratives that I was telling myself that were completely supported by the workplace I was in mm. was so powerful. And that started with my conversations with Aishina. Like you said, it didn't even need to be like 20 people and having this like mass scale conversation. It started with like just one person saying like, I've experienced something similar and what you're going through is terrible. And I think that like weekend in and of itself, just with the individual conversations with Aishina was so healing. So when we started the, the conversations and really with venting and vibing, they started off as small group conversations where we were really facilitating healing. And, and while we were doing the work and creating the space, like I think, and I will speak for myself, but I'm sure for Aishina too, we in the process of that, we're healing too. Um, so yeah, it's just, a, I think to your point, there's not enough spaces where we can just come together and vent because it's so stigmatized even to just complain. And I think that's actually in the um, article that we might be referencing later, this idea of complaining and like, it's just saying, hey, my experience here is different, but that's being seen as like this negative thing and others you, right? Yeah. So. And it takes away the systemic there's, you know, that's exactly what you said, Aisha, like perfectly segues into like our next point, because it's, it, it really takes away this kind of like systemic, um, the, 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 the truth of it and, and the crux of it is really that these issues are systemic, that they are not individual. They have mac micro effects on us, but they are, they are macro in nature. Mm -hmm. And that's why the shared experiences are so valid amongst so many women of color. Um, and marginal and people from marginalized communities is because these systems are really like we have to very carefully kind of navigate this cultural hegemony and these cultural practices that are meant to be oppressive. Mm -hmm. um, but like just to reference so people know what we're talking about, the, the validity of complaints is so, so valid. And I appreciate that because you touched on that as well, Aishina, where um, so it's an article that we have referenced before. And then we will also reference in um, our resources section on the website, but it's by um, uh, Sara Ahmed. And the article itself is, I believe it's called Slam Doors. And she talks about, Ahmed in this article talks about um, the validity of complaints. That's kind of what she calls it, is um, this, this valid perspective that we have in forming complaints, not just complaining, but in actually having complaints um, and how it connects to venting as a necessary component um, to the success of women of color in exclusionary spaces. And also I'm going to extend that and say also to the extent, uh, to the, it's a component to the success of a lot of people from marginalized and disenfranchised okay. communities in exclusionary spaces um, that function largely off of these very strict, binary, linear cultural hegemonies that are meant to be exclusive. Like, let's be honest, okay. right? Because we know that it's this mm -hmm. false meritocratic, can never say that word right? Um, <laughs> these false ideals of meritocracy where it's like mm -hmm. what you said, Aisha, like, you're not working hard enough. You have mm -hmm. to work harder. You mm -hmm. need to do this. This is not, our system is built for everyone. Everyone can succeed. And um, I think that in a lot of ways also connects to respectability politics and how that influences the roles of women of color. We touched on this earlier, um, Aishina, with the the way that we are, there's like this hush-hush culture and this silencing mm -hmm. that comes around discussing salaries, mm -hmm. which prevents you know people from being properly 
you know, given the right amount of money for the job that they're mm-hmm. doing, unfortunately. Um, yeah. And it continues to disenfranchise them. And by no means am I saying, and I don't think any of us are saying this, that that is something that is up to the individual, but mm-hmm. because far too often I hear, well, you need to fight harder for your salary. Well, how can you fight harder for your salary when that system is meant to prevent you from doing so? Mm-hmm. So, exactly. yeah. And even as you talk about the system, right? Like even that's why I'm so happy that Sarah Ahmed has talked about like the validity of complaints because mm-hmm. very much, very often in these spaces, that's how it's framed, right? Like you're complaining or if say two workers the same kind of level or something or the same race or the same gender are like talking about their experience at the workplace that is threatening to the Mm -hmm. to the organization that can very much very often be responded to like very very harshly right like it's it's threatening either it's like you're you're gossiping or you're complaining or you're and there's because that's because they recognize the inherent power in that when people are able to talk to each other and see what's happening again, that's when they realize, wait, this isn't an individual thing. This isn't me not deserving to be paid, you know, the market rate for the work that I am doing. This is this environment that is like underpaying me, right? And so mm-hmm. I think, and, and, and again, though, the, the backlash to these complaints or these conversations or this venting or this coming collectively together to talk about what's happening, it can be so harsh. And again, a lot of times we can internalize that, right? Like, oh, maybe I'm just... Maybe I'm being a bad worker. Maybe I'm like, I'm not doing the right thing that I'm supposed to be doing in these spaces that are like established with a very, very specific type of cultural hegemony, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that is because there is power in that, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and like, and that's what we're all about at Vending and Vibing too, right? Like build power, p- building power for marginalized people, for, mm-hmm. for women of color, for other groups that have been marginalized because we are in these spaces that are constructed up upon power, constructed upon hierarchy, constructed upon all of these things. And what yeah. happens when you don't have any spaces or any support to advocate for yourself and people like you in that, then you're just going to be, you're going to be disenfranchised. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like, I, I, and I think part of what we, what we, we hope to do with venting and vibing is to give people that, that courage and knowledge that they have support. They're not the only one. They're one of many. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because yeah, like people can can really kind of convince you to be to go along with your own disenfranchisement, right? And that mm-hmm. is one of the saddest things. And and when you think about women of color, how much we bring to these workplaces, right? Like it's just like no, we deserve to also have have power in these places as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that that also kind of leads into um, our next kind of like topic in this idea that even within Um, spaces that are supposed to be progressive or spaces that are supposed Mm -hmm. to be um, I guess more open to marginalized communities or disenfranchised voices you still see this kind of like game of hierarchy happen Mm -hmm. Um, for example even if you like for a lot of us uh, who wanted to quote unquote make a difference? You go into nonprofits, right? <laughs> and you want to work for a nonprofit, but then you get into the nonprofit and you realize, oh, it's just a replica mm-hmm. of the hierarchy system I was trying to escape. Uh, Charmaine mm-hmm. and I talk about I'll talk about this all the time because we're both in academia um, and we're very we're in women and gender studies in academia, so we're in kind of. We're in academia, but we're in a space in academia that's supposed to be more quote unquote progressive. But because mm-hmm. we're in academia, we still have to deal with the kind of like 
we have to play the game. I call it playing the game of like hierarchy or playing the game mm-hmm. against the the bigger person, if that makes sense. We're mm-hmm. kind of experiencing a lot of that now, especially since we are, we're like, we're, we're okay. So we're in women and gender studies. We're at Texas Women's University, but at the end of the day, we're in the South mm-hmm. and where we have to deal with the politics of being in the South if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And you even see this in corporate America at large. We had an episode about this where we call it activism for clout where a lot of big corporations are putting on (laughs) the illusion of diversity after the Black Lives Matter movement. And they're trying to say, oh, we're diverse. Or you have people saying, oh, there just isn't enough. Um, There isn't enough people of color for us to hire where they're putting in the illusion of diversity on by either making excuses are hiring that one person so that it could be a token person. And normally that person is the chief executive officer over diversity and inclusion or like Mm -hmm. some kind of job like that. So I think that goes to show that even as we are making spaces for progression, even within these quote unquote progressive spaces, you still have to battle against these these hierarchical games because in academia, there's a lot of conversations we're scared to talk about because of retaliation you know mm-hmm. in corporate america even those progressive corporate america spaces you still have to play the game of corporate america in nonprofit, you still have to play the game of like you're working for a pro for profit mm-hmm. organization you know yeah absolutely and i think that with something that we've been we've been talking about the nonprofit industrial complex as venting and vibing and just like because Aishina and I, when we started this initiative, were both in that space. And just thinking of how it was almost more deceiving because it really yeah. positioned itself as this, like a place that was making change. And then oftentimes the exact issues that were being addressed externally were in fact being um, like perpetuated internally and affecting the most marginalized employees within the organization and how then it's even more hard to find that self-validity that you talked about where it's like, okay, but I'm working at this place. We do this work in the outside world. Like, am I really just imagining this? It's like you, there's like another layer you almost have to like combat to like really understand like, oh no, there's like this whole thing called the nonprofit industrial complex that like people have studied. And even looking at the root, like I'm, I'm don't have expertise on that, but I think the root of really nonprofits was all around to create the deserving um, charitable people, like who deserved Mm -hmm. help, right? So even if we're looking at the root of how nonprofits and why they were created, it's steeped in white supremacy. So if we're, you know, continuing to believe that these spaces are where we're going to detach from white supremacy and the effects of colonization, it's just like we have to really be critical about where the root of those organizations began, right? And how they're mimicking often these other systems outside of the nonprofit space to continue to oppress and marginalize people, essentially. Yeah. yeah. I love that word that you use, clout, right? Because very often, as Aisha is talking about being in these nonprofit spaces, it's even harder to, to speak up and get acknowledgement and get any change for the issues you were talking about because it's, it's like the identity of being a nonprofit or being progressive or being, you know, doing these things that we're, we're all supposed to be doing. It's like a defense against any, any criticism, mm-hmm. right? So, right? So, yeah, it's, it's like, 
well, we're a nonprofit. We're doing good in the world. So, so what are you talking about? Right. And again, it's this, it's very insidious because it's like, it deceives you even further while it is like exploiting you, you know? And so, yeah, but again, right. Like just again, the value and the power of, mm-hmm. of people talking, right. Cause I remember even working in a nonprofit, nonprofit space where it was for women. We were all women, but a lot of the younger women were not being paid these mm-hmm. like not even decently, like barely being paid a living wage. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the movement to make this change was the young women coming together fearfully, right? Because we're working in this place where we're all doing good and we all believe in it, but coming together and just like having a conversation and sharing with each other. And then we were like, wow, okay, so this is really an, an issue and this is something that this place should address, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when, when you try to go to the power, the power structures though, right? Like there's the HR, and there's the the supervisor where mm-hmm. you go through those paths, but again, those are built-in power structures that are part of this existing cultural hegemony, and this like you know this 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 state of affairs where your voice, your value is not as much as as others, right? And so yeah, always always encourage just like finding people who may be on the margins as well and talking with them, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if I could just add one more point, I know yeah. we are sh- short on time, but. I think too, this work to really undo, like dismantle white supremacy and colonization starts with ourselves, right? So if we're in a position of power at an organization and we haven't even begun to unpack how that is showing up personally for us, there's no way that we can really truly make change within an organization. And I think with this cloud thing, we saw this earlier this year where all of these organizations and companies were putting out statements and it's like there was no crit they weren't thinking critically about how this was showing up internally for them right and i think we have to start there too when we're having these conversations and i think that also goes back to the power of having conversations like venting and vibing the healing starts with us and you know like internalizing white supremacy whether you're white or a person of color has to be healed and we can't have leaders and organizations or companies tasked with dismantling white supremacy for the organization when they haven't done that personally. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I think there's so much that there's a lot of layers to it, but you're absolutely right. That's, oh, that's so beautifully spoken to both of you, but like, it's, it's so valid and that healing is not, it's not easy. And that's what kind of Ricky was mentioning earlier, like that it's that sitting with the uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and kind of letting it marinate a little bit. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to take some time as well, but it also takes a lot of personal self-reflection and healing to work through. But wow, thank you so much. That was, that was really beautiful, Aisha and Aishina. Um, I apologize. We are running a little bit low on time, but we love this conversation. We will continue this conversation as well. Um, And, you know, we, we will, we really encourage everyone to go ahead and follow Venting and Vibing as well on Instagram. Is your handle at Venting and Vibing? Is that correct? Okay, perfect. I want to make sure I'm saying that correctly. We will link to that on our resources page as well on our website. Um, But we want to thank you so much for taking the time out and we will definitely be having future conversations. Look out for venting and vibing um, for their virtual gatherings, which are really wonderful. I encourage every single person to join. Um, this was just such a pleasure having, having both of you. And there's so much more that I know Ricky and I both want to say, and we, we want to just hear more from you. So we will definitely have you back and speak with our gray matters community a little bit more. Yeah. And as always, um, you can always look for, you know, future 
collabs possibly with venting and vibing on our Instagram page. That's um, Gray Matters, the blog um, on Instagram and on our website. That's www.graymatterstheblog.com. But you can also email us if you have any conversations that you guys want to hear us talk about. That's graymatterstheblog at gmail.com. But thank you for joining us and we will talk to you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.